Hello again, everyone. I'm Ed Berliner. Speaking of sports, it was 1986, and for the 83rd time, two teams were contesting the title of best in Major League Baseball. World Series truly locked into history before the first pitch was even rubbed up. On one side, the New York Mets, not that long ago removed from being the laughingstock of our summer game, but also not long removed from being the greatest upstart story the game had ever known, thanks to names such as Clendenin, Agee, Seaver, and a whole lot more. And on the other angled corner of home plate, the Boston Red Sox. Indeed, at that time, no sports franchise could seek nor want to be close to their legacy of losing. A mere three trips to the World Series since 1918, all three, losing in seven games. But this time, this was going to be different, said the Fenway faithful, under hushed breath, not wanting to take a chance at angering the gods of laces, leather, and low strike calls. This was our year. Dwight Evans and Wade Boggs, top of the lineup. The solid play of Bill Buckner. The ripping swing of Jim Rice. Don Baylor's 31 dingers. And from the mound, the untouchable Roger Clemens, having dropped only four of 28 decisions. 16 saves from Bob Stanley. Calvin Giraldi, having punched out 55 in relief. And for a special touch, while injury kept him from the lineup card, Boston had on their roster one George Thomas Seaver the same future Hall of Famer who took those amazing Mets to the 69 world title. It was kismet in the making. It was destiny. To some, it was a fait accompli. It was to become a true American sports tragedy. Oh, by the way, I did not just casually gloss over the name of Bill Buckner. Wait for it. Suffice to say, fans of the New York Mets won't see this story as tragedy. Never have. After all, they were the beneficiary of what occurred on Saturday night, October 25th, at home in Queens, New York. The series was all but over. Game six, Boston with a 3-2 series lead. Two out, two strikes, bottom of the tenth. Boston with a two-run lead. And by the way, who here saw or heard about the words, congratulations, Boston Red Sox, 1986 world champions, that erroneously flashed on the Shea Stadium scoreboard after that second out was made and before the game was actually over? There is something to be said for karma in both directions. Circumstances, bad pitching, and timely hitting brought the game to a draw. 5-5, five to five, the Mets still hanging on by fingernails. And on the 10th pitch of this one at bat, Bob Stanley got Mookie Wilson to hit what was without question. A simple ground ball to first. All Bill Buckner had to do was scoop up the ball, step on first, and history would be made. As we all know, history was indeed made, though not what Buckner and the Red Sox imagined. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! But this being baseball in a seven-game series, there was a game seven to be played. One final set of stanzas that would decide everything. And with veterans having been in tight spots before, this would be the comeback game for Boston. The chance to put a loose wicket behind them, revel in the champagne. A story that has long been buried in this series tale is the one of Boston pitcher Dennis Oilcan Boyd. When angered upon learning he wasn't going to start Game 7, he descended into the visitor's clubhouse and drank himself into a stupor. And when later in the game the Red Sox needed his prodigious arm to help bail them out of trouble, he was too inebriated to pitch and to be locked into the manager's office for the remainder of the game. Yet to this day, we don't hear anybody blaming Boyd for the Boston collapse. 
Red Sox pitchers that night gave up eight runs in the final three innings, and the New York Mets were champions. Bill Buckner's hell was only just beginning. On the streets of Boston, in the various media, popular culture, and every form of mass communication, Buckner sought for the rest of his life to live down the one mistake he made, the one that did not cost Boston a championship, as there was another game after that one. And as great coaches and players will always tell you, one play does not cost a game. It is the team failures and misses, the failures to take advantage of what is provided over an entire game and series. That is what produces defeat instead of victory. The Red Sox had an entire seventh game to recapture their stride, and they, as a team, blew it. Buckner was hounded, verbally assailed, openly mocked, derided by those who took advantage of his mistake because they could, most of whom had, and to this day, have never played a competitive sport this side of Sega. They wouldn't know the rigors and demands of being an athlete because it would mean departing their easy chair or giving up the free hot dog in the press box. A certain curly-haired sports writer in Boston, you know who you are. The world We've been waiting for decades to try to get a championship, and this hole lets the ball go. Bill Buckner can rot in hell. Eighteen years after that game, I came to Boston as host of a nightly live sports interview show called Sports Pulse, where I met and befriended a number of Boston sporting greats. Sadly, I was never able to get Buckner to guest on my show. He didn't make such appearances after years of being torched alive by what is one of the more unforgiving sports press corps in America. However, I did have a chance to sit and talk with him three times off-camera and off-mic. The second time, he complimented me by saying, You really are one of the good guys, you know? You said you weren't going to ask me about the game, and you haven't. Not once. I had made him a promise not to, and had no intention of breaking my word. He then, personally, shared a few minutes with me about the game and the years following. Words I swore to him I would never repeat. I never have. I never will. I recall a rather popular media talker in Boston who at a gathering outside of the ballpark said to me he would hound Bill Buckner, quote, to the grave for the pain and suffering that asshole cost me and every Red Sox fan, unquote. When I tried to question that, this person spit at me, quote, yeah, well, what the hell do you know, asshole? You weren't here and you didn't live through it, unquote. No, I didn't. Kind of glad I didn't after witnessing firsthand what a twisted and hateful soul a sporting event made a human being. But I have witnessed firsthand, as in this case, why the word fan is actually just short for fanatic. The disconnect between a sport and life. And what is a social and moral ailment that infects much of America to this day in more than just sports? Where people hate merely because they can. Some parting thoughts right after this. Before he was a major league pitcher, threw a no-hitter, and then a perfect game. Before he made history, Mark Burley was just a kid, cut from his high school team twice. Before Bear taught himself to predict seizures and inspired thousands by saving his owner's life. Before he became a hero, he was just another dog in a Texas animal shelter. There's hidden potential in all of us. We just need someone to see it. Find it at adoptapet.com. Bill Buckner died this week, much too young at the age of 69, suffering from Lewy body dementia, which is not Alzheimer's, but more closely related to Parkinson's disease. Nonetheless, it still robs the body and brain of the ability to function normally. When I heard about Buckner's death, I thought for a moment about getting in touch with the despicable and hateful person who spoke so ill of a man who was always trying his best 
and made a single mistake. I wanted to berate him as I would quickly and easily hammer away at those fans and media who for years, even decades, belittled Buckner, cursed him in public, lied about him on the airwaves and in print, turned the man inside out at times being concerned for his safety and that of his family in receiving death threats, all because their precious team didn't win a game or a title. Then I stopped and realized that if I were to do just that, I would be as hateful and despicable as that individual and so many others were during all those years. The Boston Red Sox, under ownership of John Henry, did what they could to make amends, honoring Buckner and having him throw out the first pitch to open the 2008 season. A stirring and emotional day of sun-kissed sky and love for the man many of those same people had treated so shabbily low those many years ago. Those who knew him say Buckner got over the torment of those more than 20 years. If he truly did, no one will ever really know. Those who inflicted that torment should to this day and forevermore hang their heads in shame. People try, and sometimes they fail. But it remains those who try, who sacrifice themselves for something greater, who dedicate themselves to higher achievements, and who, yes, sometimes fail in the effort, are still, when the final book on their life is closed, truly the winners we should be remembering for doing amazing things many of us could only dream of. And that includes more than just being able to hit a baseball. Rest well, William Joseph Buckner. You tried your best, and that is the best one can say about any individual. I'm Ed Berliner, speaking of sports.